The scripture reading today is from the book of Genesis and the Gospel of Luke. You can find it printed on page 9 of your worship folder. A reading from Genesis chapter 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said, There in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. And now a reading from Luke chapter 10. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha had welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection. Gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it opens you up to us in the way that it guides us. We pray today for your Holy Spirit to be here with us, to open our minds and hearts to your word. Help us to draw from it whatever you see fit and bless this time together for your glory to your name. Amen. So for the past two and a half years, um, I've been working closely with a lady at the county jail who is currently incarcerated, and she gave me permission to share a little bit of our story today and share her name. Um, LaCarla and I met through City Hope's mentoring program, which usually lasts about eight months. Um, but because she is still awaiting trial after four and a half years, we have continued to meet. And so about twice a month I go in, and what started out as mentoring has turned into this pastoral relationship where I go and we sit and we talk and we share um, our very different struggles and our very similar joys, and we talk about what matters most to us. Um, and it has turned into this beautiful, uh, just life-giving and fruitful relationship. And as we talk, no matter what the subject goes to, and sometimes it's TV shows, and sometimes it's me telling her what the weather looks like because she doesn't have windows, and so there's some practical pieces, but it always turns back to our children. Uh, three of our kids are the same ages. Um, LaCarla has six, and I have my three girls here. And so we have uh, children of the same ages, and we always end up 
talking about our children. And it has just really struck me over the past couple of years the way that she has just been so intentional about being present with her family. There are so many obstacles to her, right? Like she's physically not present. There's uh, limited visitations, limited phone calls. And yet she can always tell me exactly what her children are up to. She knows who they're dating. She knows what they're like at school. She has talked to the teachers in some way. She knows what's going on with her grandma. She knows if her aunt's sick. She knows her kid had a cold last week. Like super detailed information about her children, about her family, and about her friends. And it has just really um, reshaped the way I think about how I connect with people because you have to be intentional, right? But we take it for granted. We take it for, I take it, I'll talk about myself, I take it for granted that I will have more time with my kids. I take it for granted uh, the, the blessing, the privilege I have to go home to them every night. And so when they want to do something, whether it's uh, my sister calls and I don't answer or um, my kids want to play a game and I'm like, oh, not now, it's because I think there's more time later, right? It's because I think I'll be able to do this another time um, and LaCarla really challenged me on this. She said, what would it look like for you to be fully present wherever you are? And she really did ask me that question. Didn't make it up for the purpose of the sermon. She really did ask me that. Um, which, you know, side note, if you want to hear from God, the jail is a really great place to do that. It's a place where a lot of, and I'm not encouraging you to become incarcerated. I'm saying go visit people. Um, because, like, they, it's just a time where, um, a lot of other things are stripped away. Um, and so it's really a place where I have personally heard from God. And so I've been wrestling with that question in light of today, today's scriptures. What does it look like to be present? And what keeps us from being present? Um, and our lectionary reading today is a story of Mary and Martha, which is a passage I've never liked. Um, I <laughs> find it generally annoying. I find Jesus' response especially annoying and not super helpful to my life. So let me recap the story for you um, as I've come to understand it. Jesus comes to visit Martha, kind of invites himself over, brings his crew of folks, whoever was with him, and he's like, I'm here. Mary is lazy, and she sits at Jesus' feet, and she is just like hanging out. She's that sibling. You have that sibling. You are that sibling. You have a friend who's that sibling who somehow manages to get out of doing anything and comes up with an excuse that sounds really good, like, oh, I have to do my homework, oh, I didn't do this, or I really have a stomach, I have to go to the bathroom. It's like, no, you just don't want to do the dishes, right? So we have that sibling, Mary's that sibling, not a huge fan. And then Martha's in the kitchen. She is being subjected, in my mind, to the gender-prescribed tasks of the day. She's preparing this elaborate meal, that people aren't really gonna appreciate. And by the time she's done making it, she'll have lost all appetite for it. So she's not gonna appreciate it either. And if you cook a lot, you either because you are eating while you cook or you're just tired of seeing it by the time you're done, uh, it's like, okay, what's the purpose of her doing this? Um, and so she, then she demands help, right? She says, help me out. And then Jesus does what all parenting books tell you not to do. And he pits the sisters against each other. Well, if you were just more like Mary, everything would be fine. And it's just like, that's not helpful, Jesus. Like, that's just not helpful. And so reading this story growing up, 
I was just like, you know what? I really like Martha, and I feel bad for her, and I'm Martha, and just whatever, okay? Just, I, I do the things, I get things done, and really there's nothing wrong with that. So um, when I saw that this was the reading for today, I was like, eh, okay. What, what do I tell you all about Martha? Um, and then I was having lunch with a pastor friend who encouraged me to question that standard interpretation. Um, and so I reread the text and realized that what I thought about the story was less what the text actually says and more what I've been taught about the text. So then I'm going to launch into some um, Martha myths. Martha myths, it's like a tongue twister with only two words, um, that we are going, or I'm going to try to dispel for us. Um, and I kind of liked the Martha myths in part because it's an alliteration and in part because it kind of sounds like you know, the History Channel puts out shows only like on Easter and Christmas and suddenly the historians are actually theologians and uh, they tell you things that don't quite make sense but sound really great. Anyway, so it feels like a title for a history show. I digress. In any case, so um, Martha myth. So reading the text, we realized that Martha was actually not encroached on. She is the one who invited Jesus into her home. It says that she welcomed him in. Um, and what's interesting here is that it's her home. And if you've read through the scripture, scriptures at all or have read historically, you realize that the woman being the head of the household is not normal, right? Normal in that time. It was not what you would normally see. So it's an interesting thing that Martha seems to be the homeowner in this situation. She invited Jesus into her home. And so that possibly means that she's a woman of means in the community, a woman with some power and with some status, and someone who has the ability to bring in people into her space. The other part is that Mary's not the only disciple in this story. Martha is a disciple of Jesus too. And for this, we actually need to turn to the story of Lazarus found in John 11, where it explains Martha's relationship to Jesus. Lazarus has died, her brother. She runs to Jesus to get help. Um, and he's the one who reveals to Martha, Mary actually in, the, in, the, in that story gets sent home. So Mary gets sent home. Martha's the one who approaches Jesus. And Jesus reveals to her, quote, that everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And it says that Martha responded with belief. She's also a disciple of Jesus. The story is not just about Mary. Uh, Martha is also a disciple of Jesus. I also realized that there is no kitchen in the story. I made that up in my head. There is no kitchen mentioned. We don't really know what her tasks are. She is likely not in the back cooking, but rather the word for her tasks that she's doing, the root Greek word, is the same that we get the word deacon from. She's actually engaged in some kind of act of service to the community. She is busy doing ministry. She's busy doing ministry. Whose ministry is she doing? She's doing Jesus' ministry. Um, she's doing ministry in the community, and she wants a little bit of help, and she feels like Jesus doesn't care. And she may have gone a little bit overboard jumping straight to, you don't care about me at all. And sometimes we do this, right? We kind of catastrophize and say, well, you don't care about this, so you don't care about me. Uh, but she really pushed Jesus on that. She said, I need help, and you're not helping me. Therefore, you don't care. 
And Jesus is saying, just because I don't help you the way you want me to, doesn't mean I don't care. Um, and this is where he gets a little bit annoying again and <laughs> responds to her by saying, she says, I'm busy, I need help. He says, you're distracted by many tasks. She's like, I know. I know I have many tasks. That's why I'm asking you for help. That's why I need help, because I have a lot going on, and I'm doing good work. And by the way, it is your work. I'm doing the work that you have called me to, and yet you won't help me. Now, is it that Jesus doesn't care about the good work we're doing? Is that what's happening? Is he saying, it is better to sit at my feet than do the good work of service to the community? And this is where, again, we need to pull back within the passage and realize that this story, and I hadn't noticed this before, but it takes place between the story of the Good Samaritan and the Lord's Prayer. So in the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus says that internal, eternal life is inherited by loving God and loving our neighbor. And he takes, through, takes the people through this whole story of what it looks like to love your neighbor. And then we have the story of Mary and Martha, and then we have the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus teaches us how to engage with God, what to ask of him, how to pray to him. So service is good and important, showing mercy to your neighbor. Prayer, contemplation, meditation is good and important. And yet Jesus tells Martha that she has become distracted. And isn't this the tension in life sometimes, that we get distracted by our good work, and so I want you to think about things that you do that you think are good work. So whether it's your actual work or your community service, your volunteering, your small group leading, anything that you might consider to be your good work. And when does it become a distraction? So Jesus isn't telling Martha that her work isn't worth it. He's just reorienting her definition of what she needs. She thought she needed help, but he's saying it's something else you need. So what is it that Jesus wanted from Martha? Which is kind of the question, right? What did, what did he want? She was busy doing good work. He said, no, you're distracted. So what does he want her to do if not the good work? And I think at this point, it's easy for me to over-spiritualize it and say, oh, well, she, he wanted, read it kind of literally, right? He wanted Martha to sit at his feet the way Mary did and just kind of absorb the goodness of God, which is not a bad thing. You do want to absorb the goodness of God. But is that what he is really saying? Or are we over-spiritualizing it? We have to remember that Jesus was really there in the flesh with Martha, Jesus was Martha's friend. He loved that she was organizing her ministry, but right then and there, what she needed was to stop and to connect. And it's not just about sitting with God, it's about sitting with people, right? It's about Jesus as Martha's friend. Jesus was always getting people ready for community. He was teaching them to live with one another. So what would it look like for Martha to be fully present? with Jesus. It's sitting and listening, yes. It's being present. It looks the same as it would look to be fully present when you have anybody come visit your house, right? When your kids want your attention, when your coworker needs to get something off of her chest. 
when a parent calls and needs to talk and you're kind of busy doing other things, what does it look like to be fully present? I asked LaCarla that last time I saw her. I visited her on Thursday. Um, and I was like, well, you know, what do you like best about our visits? And she's like, oh, you showed up. Like, that's what I like best. You came and you sit here with me and I know you're going to come. She's like, you said you'll be here. I know you'll be here. That's my favorite part, that you show up. And it just made me think like, oh, that's so simple and yet it's so profound, right? What does it look like for us to show up? What does it look like for us to step away from the good work that is distracting us? Not to not do the good work ever, but to figure out when is it getting in the way, when is it getting in the way of our relationships with people? Showing up and being present is what we do at City Hope. And it's what church is about, right? We show up, y'all, you're here, and you're present. And sometimes it feels great, and sometimes it's kind of like, no, nah, I came. And that's how it is with any relationship, right? Sometimes it's wonderful, and it's warm, and it's fuzzy, and sometimes it was like, oh, that interaction was okay. But you keep showing up. You have to keep showing up. That's how the relationship grows. So it's not that Jesus didn't care. It's that God cares so deeply about service and prayer and about community and relationships. Being in community is what we need. And so being with is what Jesus was saying to Martha. He wasn't saying you have to be exactly like your sister. He wasn't saying you have to change who you are and become somebody else in order to sit at my feet. He was saying, I need you to be present. I need you to be here. And so what does that look like for us, right? To be present, to move aside the distractions in order to be fully there for people. And as you're thinking about that, I'm going to take a, a bit of a pause. And maybe you're starting to feel like anxiety about community, or maybe you're starting to feel like warm feelings about community. Um, so it's a really good time to talk about like systemic oppression. So I'm going to insert that right there. Um, and just talk about like the privilege that you have to have in order to be flexible with your time, right? So for me to say, hey, set aside some distractions so you can be fully present with your partner, with your family, with your friend group, with your church, requires a certain level of flexibility in your schedule, right? And it requires that there aren't systems stopping you from being present. Um, enter Sarah in the story of Genesis, if you remember that we had another reading this morning. Um, and it was Sarah and Abraham um, welcomed Take that back. The visitors came to visit, and Abraham welcomed them, and Sarah was sent to the tent. God appears through these three visitors, and he's there to share and remind them of the promises he had given them. And those promises were for both Sarah and Abraham, and yet Sarah was not there. Sarah was sent to the tent. She was not there when they spoke because society required that she not be there. There was an understanding that she could be in some places and not in other places, that she could be around certain people and not other people. And so this whole system of patriarchy kept her away and sent her to the tent, which was where she was supposed to be given her social position as a woman. 
Um, and there's nothing wrong with being in the tent and cooking, right? It's, that's not the point. The point, though, is when do you have the freedom to be present and to be in community? And for us to think about all the freedoms that maybe some of us in this room have, right, to choose where we are and to choose our hours to a certain extent, and remember that there's a lot of systems that prevent other people from doing that. So it's easy for me to say, hey, be present. Remember to be home by a certain time. But if you're working two jobs, maybe that makes it hard. There's some people who aren't in this room right now because they work on Sunday mornings, right? There are oppressive work conditions. There's obviously, and you know, I mentioned um, La Carla several times, and she's in jail, right? There are systems. Um, yes, there's personal choices, but then there's also systems that lead people to different places. There's unfair laws. There's unfair sentencing. There's the fact that she's been sitting in there for four and a half years, and she's still awaiting trial. That's a systemic problem. There's also our consumeristic culture, right? Things have to be open 24-7. People work holidays, so they can't be with their families just in case we need something, just in case we forgot the cranberry sauce. Somebody's at the store. And I'm not poo-pooing cranberry sauce. I'm just saying that you know there's, there's systems that we create and that we live with and that we perpetuate that cause people to not be able to be present. And I didn't want to speak this morning on presence as though it's a given, as though anybody could easily make that choice. Because that's not true for everybody, right? There are the people that we don't see. Um, there are high housing costs that result in people commuting three hours to get to work. There's a lot of things that keep people from being present, and I think we need to be aware of that as a faith community, right? We need to be aware of those issues in order to practice presence, not just with other people who have time, but to practice presence with everybody. And I love here that the three visitors who at the beginning of the verse are said to be God's presence. Um, the three visitors could have just given Abraham the message and they could have walked away. Instead, God questioned Sarah's absence. He said, where is Sarah? Did God know the answer to that? Yeah, he knew she was in the tent. But he pointed it out. He pointed out her absence. So all the people that we sometimes don't see or the people that maybe are us, right? For those of us in the room who work multiple jobs and long hours or whatever your situation is. Maybe you're taking care of children or an elderly parent or a neighbor or whatever your situation might be. God questions that, right? He questions the systems that don't help us support one another, that don't help us to be present with one another because community is that important to God? And that's what Jesus was saying to Martha. The thing you need is to be present with people. So when the freedom is ours to choose how we spend our time, he wants us to choose what is needed and not be pulled away by many distractions. We have to be intentional with our time. So what does it look like when we serve our neighbors? And what does it look like to move from serving your neighbor to be truly present with them, to take the time to sit if you volunteered at City Hope, right, you hand them the meal, you say their name. You may, and if you haven't, come join us. Um, you know, you can sit down and you can talk to people. What does it mean to be truly present? And what does it look like for us as a church? Um, and I mean that like church universal, um, 
I've been to a lot of churches. In our 20s, my husband and I moved a lot. We lived all over the place. We were, gosh, uh, I think in Atlanta, and then San Francisco, and then Boston, and then D.C., and then we moved back to the Bay Area. Like, we've kind of been all over. So we've been to a lot of churches, and this is always the thing. Like, how do you create community and presence? So, I mean, look to your left and your right, or better yet, look two rows ahead of you and two rows behind you. What does it look like to be in better community with the people that you don't sit with every time? What does it look like to be present with your community outside of these doors? What does it look like to be more present with your family and friends? What does it look like to help your neighbors who have other circumstances that keep them from being present? What does it look like to help them with the grocery shopping or with the chores or with the kids or with elder care so that they have more time and they can be fully present too? Because community can be hard to create and we have to be intentional with it but it is one of those things that is good. It is one of those things that Jesus says it is what is needed. And this right here, this is good. Like this is what's needed. Like we need the other people in this room and we need the folks out there too. So what does that look like for us to do that? The way we are in community with God really is correlated to the way we're in community with each other. Loving God and loving your neighbor are connected. We need the story of the Good Samaritan. We need the story of Mary and Martha. And we need the Lord's Prayer. Carla has taught me a lot, as you can tell, because I've mentioned her several times. She's taught me a lot about presence. She's talked about just her family and her friends. And frankly, I see her more than I see most of my friends because I have a set appointment with her. So, and I'm not intentional about other things. So what does it look like to be intentional? She has taught me a lot about that. I get to go home to my loved ones. I get to come home, period. I get to share a meal with my family. I get to call my friends. I get to call my family whenever I want to. I don't have to wait for set hours. There's so much that I can do better when it comes to being present. And I would ask you to consider that for yourself today as well just as the Carlos journey has shifted the way I understand time and presence, um, I think I've also shifted her experience, right? We can influence one another. In a season of life where her contact with the outside world is really minimal, I've been able to be a source of encouragement and support. I'm not just saying that. She told me that, and I appreciate it, and I'm going to believe it. Um, but we can do that with one another, right? Like it matters to know that you're not forgotten. And so when I read the text where God says, where is Sarah? I like that I can say, well, where is La Carla? And I can answer that. Like I know that I will see her there, right? And I look forward to seeing her out here one day. So um, there's a lot more to that journey and a lot more to that story that I would love to share with you. Um, and I actually will be sharing it at a night for City Hope in September it's on September 20th. Um, mark your calendars if you haven't already. But there'll be a lot of stories being shared that night, a lot about presence and what it means to be together. Um, and La Carla and I will be sharing our story as well via phone call. Um, so hopefully she'll be out by then. But if not, um, you'll be able to hear our conversation and hear more about what that particular journey looks like. Um, so I hope you'll join us for that. And in the meantime, I hope you'll continue thinking about 
presence. I hope you'll continue thinking about these scriptures. I hope you will have a better appreciation for Martha and know that she um, just needed to practice a little bit of presence. So if you'll pray with me as we close. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that even where I don't always show up, I know that you are already there. I thank you that you take care of the people around us. I thank you that you love us and know us very deeply and that you are calling us to know each other in that same way so that as we draw closer to other people, we are also drawing closer to you. Lord, continue to knit this community together. Continue to knit your church together around the world so that we would practice presence with one another and with you and that we would be a light for the world, a light to show what it looks like to be in community. Help us to learn from those who are different from us. Help us to learn how to be present in our neighborhoods. Help us to learn to be present in spaces that maybe make us uncomfortable. Help us to learn how to make room for everyone who wants to sit at your feet. Pray this in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.